Hello, David. This week has been dominated by central bank meetings. Can you run us through the key takeaways? Hi, Alex. You're right that it's been a busy week for the major central banks. It started with the Bank of Japan and it significantly upped its support for the corporate sector by announcing an increase in its target for commercial paper and corporate bond holdings this year to a total of around 20 trillion yen. So that's equivalent to something like 180 plus billion dollars. I think this is also going to actually encourage some flows from Japanese investors into global corporate bond markets as well. Interestingly, the Bank of Japan also committed to unlimited purchases of Japanese government bonds and said that it would act to, quote, promptly and appropriately in the event of a rise in Japanese government bond yields. The Fed meeting was uh, pretty uneventful, uh, but it was still dovish. Fed Chair Powell said we're not going to be in any hurry to move rates up and that it will use its emergency lending powers, including its corporate credit facilities, to quote, forcefully, proactively and aggressively. And then we had the European Central Bank, which I think was a bit of a disappointment to markets because it didn't announce an increase in its already pretty sizable asset purchase programs, though it did say it was willing to do so. That said, it did expand and cut the interest rates on long-term liquidity operations that provide potentially up to 3 trillion euros to European banks. So effectively, European banks can borrow at negative rates from the ECB and buy higher yielding um, assets, including Eurozone government bonds. I, I think the messages from central banks this week has been very clear. Firstly, there's there's no limit to their liquidity support for governments and companies through this crisis. I think they're going to buy as many bonds as governments have to issue to fund the fiscal support packages and the extra borrowing caused by recession. I think, like indicated by the Bank of Japan, I think central banks are effectively capping government bond yields and will keep interest rates at current ultra-low levels well beyond the end of the current recession. They will use their balance sheet very aggressively to support the corporate sector and view banks as a key channel of support to the real economy. Uh, My final takeaway is, is that the US is still, I think, leading the way in terms of the scale of not only monetary, but also fiscal response to the crisis. And I think, at least in part, this explains the recent outperformance of US growth sensitive risk assets. Some are warning that all this central bank liquidity will lead to inflation. Should investors be worried by inflation? Um, In the short term, no, I don't think they should. In the longer term, yeah, maybe. The the, the economic collapse is disinflationary. I, I mean, in the near term, if anything, deflation is a bigger risk than inflation. But, but over the medium term, inflation risk could be an issue for investors. Not so much because I think the expansion of central bank balance sheets and quantitative easing, I mean, we, we kind of learned from the global financial crisis and its aftermath with repeated episodes of QE that that doesn't necessarily translate into faster you know, lending growth, credit growth, and a build-up in inflationary pressures. We could get some inflation pressures arising if demand outstrips supply after the 
economies emerge from lockdowns and recession. But that's still not my base case. It's interesting if you observe developments in China, where most people are now back at work, lockdowns have been pretty much completely relaxed, and there's still people out on the streets, etc. But if you look at consumer behaviour, consumers continue to be actually pretty cautious. And consumer spending, retail spending, has actually been lagging the recovery within China. I, th- I think the most likely source of inflation risk, in my view, over the medium term, is financial repression, with essentially central banks becoming, you know, in effect, subordinated to their government's fiscal and political objectives. I, I suspect there will be very limited political appetite for fiscal austerity after this crisis. And I think central banks will be under pressure from highly indebted governments to keep interest rates and government borrowing costs very low. And and if the faith in central banks' commitment to their inflation targets over time becomes eroded because yields are kept below inflation, so we have negative real yields, then I think in that scenario, inflation expectations and the inflation risk premium could rise. You mentioned rising levels of government debt. How big a concern is that? Uh, Well, this crisis is going to be extraordinarily expensive for government. The uh, fiscal support packages, but also the impact of recession, is going to push up government debt by between 10 and 20 percentage points of GDP over the next year or so. On the broadest measure of government debt, that includes that of states as well as the federal government, US government debt will be more than 130% of uh, GDP. It's going to be rising to 250% for Japan, and it's going to be moving up from around 80% to close to 100% for the Eurozone as a whole and for the UK government. Italian government debt is also going to be rising from you know something like 135% in 2019 to sort of 155% or more of GDP by the end of this year, next year. I, th- I think in the near term, though, I'm, I'm still not too concerned by that in the sense that central banks are holding, as we've discussed, an ever bigger share of government debt. And, you know, government borrowing costs, government bond yields are at extremely low levels. That said, I think, you know, without monetary sovereignty or where you have weak policy credibility, so this does include clearly some of the countries within the Eurozone, as well as in emerging markets, then I think over the medium term, debt sustainability issues can arise. Fitch downgraded Italy to triple B minus, just one notch above investment grade, but it did change its outlook for the rating to stable, while S&P kept its rating unchanged, albeit with a negative outlook. I I think, interestingly, both those rating agencies emphasise the importance of the ECB in supporting Italy's credit profile. And at the ECB conference earlier this week, Christine Lagarde said that she would not allow fragmentation. So this is sort of ECB speak for placing a limit on how divergent sovereign bond yields can become within the eurozone. Ultimately, it's not really the the debt level per se that determines sustainability, but it's access to and, and the cost of financing, which is why I think you know QE in one form or other is going to be here to stay. Another busy week. Any final thoughts? Uh, well, just to mention on the theme of um, central banks, uh, next week the Bank of England meets 
it already acted in coordination with the government's budget announcement in March by cutting the base rate to nearly zero and announced £200 billion of quantitative easing. I think given the deterioration in the UK economic outlook since then and further expansion of government borrowing, I wouldn't be very surprised if the Bank of England didn't increase its quantitative easing, which includes corporate bond purchases, by potentially as much as an additional £100 billion. So I think central banks will remain very key focus for investors. And that even extends actually to the virtual world. The Bank of Nook, this is the central bank of Nintendo's Animal Crossing game, has also recently slashed its interest rates. And and this has led to some speculation in the value of the fantasy game's assets, turnip and tarantulas. So wherever you go, investors just can't really escape the reach of the central banks. Well, now I'm really worried. Thanks, David, and look forward to speaking to you again in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Alex. This podcast is issued in the United Kingdom by Blue Bay Asset Management, LLP, which is authorised and regulated by the UK Financial Conduct Authority, registered with the US Securities and Exchange Commission and the US Commodity Futures Trading Commission, and is a member of the National Futures Association. This podcast may also be issued in the United States by Blue Bay Asset Management LLC, which is registered with the SEC and the NFA. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Unless otherwise stated, all data has been sourced by Blue Bay. To the best of Blue Bay's knowledge and belief, this podcast is true and accurate at the date hereof. Blue Bay makes no express or implied warranties or representations with respect to the information contained in this podcast and hereby expressly disclaim all warranties of accuracy, completeness or fitness for a particular purpose. This podcast is intended for professional clients and eligible counterparties as defined by the FCA only and should not be relied upon by any other category of customer. Except where agreed explicitly in writing, Blue Bay does not provide investment or other advice and nothing in this podcast constitutes any advice nor should be interpreted as such. No Blue Bay fund will be offered except pursuant and subject to the offering memorandum and subscription materials the offering materials. If there is an inconsistency between this podcast and the offering materials for the Blue Bay Fund, the provisions in the offering materials shall prevail. You should read the offering materials carefully before investing in any Blue Bay Fund. This podcast does not constitute an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to purchase any security or investment product in any jurisdiction and is for information purposes only. No part of this podcast may be reproduced in any manner without the prior written permission of Blue Bay Asset Management, LLP. Copyright 2020, Blue Bay. The investment manager, advisor and global distributor of the Blue Bay Funds is a wholly owned subsidiary of Royal Bank of Canada and the Blue Bay Funds may be considered to be related and or connected issuers to Royal Bank of Canada and its other affiliates. Registered trademark of Royal Bank of Canada. RBC Global Asset Management is a trademark of Royal Bank of Canada. Blue Bay Asset Management LLP, registered office, 77 Grosvenor Street, London, W1K 3JR, partnership registered in England and Wales, number OC370085. The term partner refers to a member of the LLP or a Blue Bay employee with equivalent standing. Details of membership of the Blue Bay Group and further important terms which this message is subject to can be obtained at www.bluebay.com. All rights reserved.